0: Turn with me to the Gospel according to John, chapter 7. Gospel according to John, chapter 7. Now, you will remember that in 2015, we were really the majority of the year stuck in the Old Testament. We began every uh, sermon in the Old Testament. I'm not necessarily keeping myself to that. This time, however, I always love to include the Old Testament within uh, what's going on in the New Testament. And quite frankly, the reason why is because you can't properly understand the New Testament without the foundation of the Old. Um, You don't even have the New Testament without the Older Testament. And so we're going to do some connecting this morning with this idea of living water. So let's begin in John's Gospel, oftentimes called the Apostle of Love, uh, because he mentions love quite a bit in his Gospel and also his three epistles. And he also is the writer of Revelation, but, but also because he refers to himself in his own book. So he refers to himself as the, the Apostle or the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it wasn't so much, you know, I'm better than you and he loved me and didn't love you. It's that he could never get over the fact that Jesus loved even him. It was more of a humbling type of title for himself. Notice what he says here, what is recorded here in the life of Jesus by, by John. John, by the way, also was the youngest of the apostles as far as we know. He also lived beyond the other apostles, we're told uh, in, in some tradition in history that we have, he was the last uh, living apostle. And um, there's, a, there's a really a deep connection with uh, several people, Ignatius, for one, and Polycarp. And you have a succession back to John. And people used to go when John was an old man and listen to stories of Jesus because he, he lived with Jesus those three and a half years. Notice what he writes here uh, in John 7, and we'll pick up in 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this He said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Would You astonish us by Your Word today? Would You speak Your words into our hearts by the same Spirit mentioned here? We pray in Your most holy name. Amen. There is a connection here to water and epiphany. So epiphany, again, is the manifestation of Christ to the world. And we begin really with the the magi again, coming from the east to see Jesus. And when they lay eyes on Jesus as a child, we think maybe two years old, because he was sitting up in the lap of his mother... Little, little babies like Melanie don't do that yet, <clears throat> they still are held and so when it says that we think he's probably one, late one or two and the Magi arrive and they lay eyes on Jesus and when they do that is the first time that we have known to mankind where Jesus is revealed to Gentiles now remember the promises are to Israel and yet truly the promises were to all people weren't they? Israel was chosen in order to bring God to the nations. To be a light to the nations. They were never just chosen just to be chosen. They were chosen for others. The same way that we are chosen. The same way that we are. Our election in Christ is not, Oh, look, I'm elect and you're not. It's I'm elect so that I can go gather other people so they too can be elect. This is an open election. This is the way God is, Himself has designed it. He chose Israel and notice that other people in the Old Testament slipped in and became chosen. Ruth, remember her? She was not an Israelite, and yet she was chosen. Even the Scripture says that Jesus' high priesthood is based on Melchizedek's, not the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical one was the elect one, the chosen one, and yet he comes as Melchizedek did. Melchizedek was not a Jew. So there is a connection between all this water talk we've already had today. We've had several scriptures about water and epiphany. And primarily today we celebrate in particular... Jesus' baptism. You remember how it happened. Many people were thinking that John the Baptist was actually the one. The Messiah. The chosen one of God. Uh, he kind of looked apart. He was uh, unusual. And he was very fiery as far as his preaching is concerned. Some have even mused that he probably preached better than Jesus did. At least we're told that his disciples thought so. Because many continue to follow Him even after Jesus started His preaching. That's a thought, isn't it? His cousin, little cousin rivalry. And yet at the same time, Jesus approaches Him and says, John, I want you to baptize me. John says, hang on. I I know who you really are. I know what God is doing. I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, it must be done. Because he was identifying with us. Of all people, he didn't need a bath. He was the cleanest person in the world. He's the purest person in the world. Isn't he? The innocent lamb pure of God? Absolutely. He has not sinned. He does not sin in his earthly life. And yet, now he's getting baptized. This bath that God has provided. You know... This, this, uh, this thing of water goes way back in the Old Testament, doesn't it? I mean, when you first open up your Bible and start on the first few pages, you're going to find water. The second verse of Scripture, which, by the way, connects both the Spirit and water <laughs> together, the Spirit is hovering over the deep, which the deep in Hebrew there is Tehom, which is talking about the sea, really. And there were many people during that time, and in ancient times, you'll know this, that believed the sea was filled with creatures and gods and all kind of nasty stuff. I mean, that's why, that's why some of your most, what we would call superstitious people, were, were actually sailors. It's because, man, that, I mean, you're out there on the open water, they don't have sonar, they don't have radar systems, they, they haven't been down underneath there, they have no idea what's in that thing. And the sea is just... I mean, you've been to the ocean before. You just stand in awe of that thing. And when it starts rumbling, they don't have Doppler radar, remember, out there. They see a storm coming up. I mean, it could be the end of them. And so, oftentimes, you know, this idea of the deep is something chaotic, something unpredictable. And here, at the beginning of the Bible, is the Spirit hovering this term hovering is kind of soaring over the deep. Like he's not concerned about it. I think that's important. The Spirit brings calm to the storm. To chaos. To the deep. To things that we can't comprehend or control. Maybe you've seen some video. I watched a little bit last night just in preparation for, for this. Of, of, of a tsunami coming ashore. I mean, this person's filming... And, and there's this wave out there. And they're like, what is that? You know, people are kind of just talk. And there's people down on the beach. And they're like, what? And then all of a sudden, it just rushes ashore. And just, just begins to wipe everything out. Um, unpredictable. I mean, flash flooding. Maybe you've seen some videos of that. That's serious business. You think you're safe in a car? No. Float right away. This thing of water continues in the flood. That's the next big place where we get after the separation of the waters in the creation store. We next time get the flood. God is sorry that He made mankind. Which is a really interesting idea, isn't it? You almost, you almost ask, I thought you knew everything, man. You know? How did you mess this up? The question would be, did He mess it up or did we mess it up? The Scripture lays the responsibility on us. It's more like God is saddened by what we've done. Done not only to him and his world but to each other. And so the scripture says in Genesis 6 that the the thoughts and even the imagination of mankind was evil and that continually. And that's a very odd way of just simply saying Even our imagination... Like when we daydreamed, it was about sinning. It was about lusting after one another. Or power. Or evils toward... Hate, anger. All the things that that we get ourselves tied up in. It was all in our imagination. And that's all we could think about. And God says we need to restart. We need to start over. There was... You know, one of the things... um, God does with evil, is He restrains it. He doesn't get rid of it completely. There's still evil in the world, isn't there? He will one day. You know what the Bible says? In Revelation it says, there will be one day, no more sea. Now, that's its way of saying, none of this chaos business. None of this evil business. Rising up. Remember the beasts that rise in Daniel out of the out of the sea? Coming ashore representing nations? That were just awful, atrocious. We still have that going on in our world today, don't we? Nations rising against nations, whole government systems meant to oppress others. Oh yeah. The Bible says, one day there will be no sea. There will only be the light of Jesus. There will be no more evil. But until that day, there still is evil. But here is God's plan for now is to restrain it. The flood is His first answer to restraining it. It's a big restraint. Everybody dies but one family. Noah's family. And the only reason they survive is because they do what Noah says. And Noah, the only reason he survives is because he was blameless before God. The next time you see water as a big thing is with the Red Sea, right? With Moses, they've got this opposition following them, this enemy Egypt on their heels, and now they have an obstacle before them, the sea. And God parts that sea and they walk across on dry land and it swallows up the Egyptians. He also later will strike a rock and water will flow. Representing new life for them, even in the desert, and there are scriptures that go along with this, found in Isaiah and Ezekiel, even Psalm One, doesn't it? Planted by streams of water. Well, I mean, you know, you just ought to do your own study because time does not permit us to continue a detailed study of water in the Scripture. In Isaiah, in particular forty three, he talks about making a way. This is sixteen through twenty one. Making a way in the sea. This is what God has done: is made a way in the sea. In other words, we are all in the same boat. That's the way God sees us. We're all in the same boat. We're in the midst of this chaos. You ever notice how uh, how maybe it's not for you, but how calming it is or just like, I don't know, quiet when you go underwater? I mean, sometimes, you know, you're just like if you're swimming around, you just kind of go underwater for a little bit and you're like, and you come back up and then you hear the noises of the world. Um, I think that's a pretty good picture for me to think about sometimes we're submerged. Things become clearer, especially in problems. You ever notice how when crisis strike, things become clear. Love becomes the most important thing. Someone's on their deathbed and things get get for real. Things get clarified. Kind of like being under the water. You know, you've got to get back up. That's, that's the next thing. You've got to breathe, you know. That's going to be your, your main objective is getting back up to the surface. And then when you hit the surface, though, there's all this chaos and noise and just the, the waves and, you know that's how life is. There's even a story in the Bible of Jesus in a boat. You could say in our boat. And Jesus is in this boat and there's a storm that comes up. And the disciples now they were fishermen, so you had to understand like they understood the Mediterranean. They knew about, you know, they called it the Great Sea. I mean that was that was that was what really made up the Roman world in that area was was the Mediterranean. They knew that Mediterranean. And yet they were scared. Now, when if I was with professional fishermen like those guys on like the deadliest catch, and they start getting freaked out in a storm, I'm gonna, you know, I, I I'm gonna get pretty scared. I'm gonna be like, hey guys, are we gonna be all right? You know, hey man, be quiet. We have got to deal with this. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start getting ner- pretty nervous. When the fishermen are nervous. They think they're gonna gonna die, so they start looking for Jesus, who's not a fisherman by the way, not by trade. He's a carpenter, and he's asleep. Sometimes, don't you feel like in the, in the storms of life, God is not really paying attention? You're like, hey! <laughs> kind of start praying louder, maybe even praying out loud. Do you hear me? You know, wake up! He's asleep because He doesn't have the same concerns that the disciples do. He wakes up, or they wake Him up, and, and they say, hey, we're going to die out here if you don't do something. So He goes up and He speaks to the storm and He steals it. Now another time, he's walking to them on water. You remember this? In the storm, he doesn't calm it. They think he's a ghost. Peter goes out there and so on and so forth. Has to save Peter from drowning. Peter has faith and he doesn't have faith. Sound familiar? Sound like part of your life? Sounds like my life. In some areas, I have, I have great faith, some might say. In other areas, I don't. And I'm, I'm praying to God, Lord, I believe... But help my unbelief. You know, in navigating life's waters, there's kind of I just wrote down a, a few. You know, to me that I find in my own life, sometimes life life's water is placid. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just very calm. You're just cruising along, you know, just enjoying, chilling out. Things are going well for you, and that I mean, some of you are are you know, in a placid lake right now. Not with the big alligator, but, um, you know. Uh, but instead, you know, you're you just in a calm lake. Uh, you're just cruising around. Things are going well for you. You're, you're on vacation, so to speak, in your life right now. And it's good. Life is good. Other people are not there. And, we, and we, we need to celebrate with those people who are at peace right now, who are stable in their boats, who, who are not in a storm. We need to celebrate with them. Don't be jealous. Be glad for other people. Be joyful for other people. Um, other people, and I find myself sometimes in choppy water. That's how I call it, choppy water. You know what I'm talking about? It's when, like right now, if you're out on the Tennessee River, with that wind blowing, you're gonna be, it's going to be pretty choppy those wave, white capping, right? And so if you're in a boat, it's going to be constantly clapping against the boat. You know, if you stand up, you're going to be doing this number. I mean, it's just not a stable place. It's choppy water. It's not not like super dangerous, but it's, it's definitely choppy, unbalanced place in life. And some of us get to a place where we're just... Man, just things are, are kind of thrown off. It's not, it's not so much that just things are awful. You know, you wouldn't describe your life just, oh man, I'm really in the thick of it right now. But, but you would say, man, I just can't seem to juggle everything, you know? It's got stuff going everywhere. Just being tossed here and, here and there. Other times, I wrote down that my life seems like I'm in the rapids. You know what I mean? I'm talking about life is coming at you fast. I always used to love those nationwide commercials. Uh, you know, they were funny. I, I can't describe it, I'd, I'd do a disservice to you. But, but life comes at you fast. I mean, it's just coming so quick, you gotta, you actually ha- can't just look right in front of you, you have to be looking downstream, or else you're going to be running into a rock. You know, I, I've had some experience on rapids before. Uh, I've actually, with a, with a youth group, led you know, a boat or a captain to boat, or whatever you want to call it, one of those rafts. Um, I've manned a raft with with teenagers in it. So it was just me. There was, there was no guide. I was the guide, right? At the Nantahala River. So it wasn't like the Ochoa, but it's, it's the next step down. And so I'm, they're like, hey, do you want to just lead them? And I was like, man, yeah, let's do it. You know, I got this. And so he, you know, he ran down a couple things, whatever. So I made the guys. One of the things I did was when we'd go through like a, a curve or a bend in the river, I'd say, everybody close your eyes and just do what I say. And so then what we'd, I'd do spinning the boat as we went through the thing. Well, at the very end, I mean at the crescendo, they always have this nice little waterfall kind of thing where you where it's like one big, you know, hoo-ha right at the end, you know, and it's supposed to be real fun. We got stuck on a rock and had to be rescued, and people were like floating down river, you know, I had I had... Three different guides come to our boat and then floated away because they, they mishandled it. And we're stuck up here on the, the edge of this thing trying to get out. Finally, the third guide was able to get us out. It was a disaster and a debacle and it was really my fault because I, I wasn't able to navigate uh, navigate the waters. What I found in my own spiritual life is that I can't always do it. I think I can. And most of the times, you know, most bends or most rapids, we, you know, we feel like we've got it. But there comes sometimes where we just get to a point where we say, you know what, I can't do this. I really need some help. I need somebody else in the water to come and rescue me. You know, God wants to be our captain, really, our guide. That's what he calls us. He wants us to be in his boat. And when he says, Hey, everybody paddle left, we need to paddle left. Paddle to the right, we need to paddle to the right. And you say, "Hang on, I think that's the opposite way." Trust me, he knows where he's going Amen. if we listen to him, and not try to pilot our own boats. And other times, we're just simply in troubled, stormy water. Um, <clears throat> you know, thankfully, I've never been in a in a, in a bad storm out at sea. Uh, But I've watched some video of it. I did last night, just so I could kind of kind of look at that. I saw a cruise ship doing this number in the water, and I mean, inside of that thing, it was un. But people were just, I mean, it was nuts. Never seen anything like that in my life. One of those big ships, and the ocean was doing that because, again, the ocean is not always something we can tame. It's not something we can control. Water is not something we can control. I think that's why God has chosen water as the symbol for new life, for His work in our life. It's because when you go under that water at baptism, you can't control the life that He has for you. He's the one who's given you life, not yourself. He may call you to some things that that you don't think you can do. I mean, that's part of living by faith, isn't it? I mean, it's the same. I mean, you know, I hate to be a a broken record on this, but it's the same way in marriage. When you get married, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. When you, I see some several amens and also punches, you know. Um, When you have children, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. It's the greatest of joys and it's the worst of things. Brings out the best in you, and it brings out the worst in you. Doesn't it? I mean, if if we really knew what happened at home sometimes, we'd look at you different. You'd look at us different. Thankfully, we have some privacy in our life. Aren't you glad that God gives us that kind of privacy? I mean, even with our thoughts, you know, like I can't read minds, and really no one can. Uh, I can read some facial expressions of it, but I can't read your... And that's a good thing. Because I know some of the thoughts you have toward me are not good, unlike God. You know? Some of the thoughts I have toward you are always not going to be good. I'm thinking, what in the world? are they thinking? I'm glad I don't know. It's a good thing that God gives us that sort of privacy. Sometimes we're in troubled waters and... We need to know that Jesus is with us. Other times, we don't just need to know He's with us, but He needs to calm the storm. We all go through storms. Every single one of us go through storms. Storms of life. Out on the open sea is a very dangerous thing. I've been through storms in my own life. And sometimes the current of life is so fast that we cannot stop it even if we wanted to. You know, I, I hate to give all my nautical stories away in one sermon, but I was rafting last year, or not rafting, kayaking with Jessica and, and some neighbors. And, uh, and you know, I got into some choppy water, some troubled water. And my, my, I mean, it was just, you know, I'm pretty good at the kayak, but I mean, I just flipped out immediately. Just, it, it just, I hit a little branch and then I was gone. I was out in the water, I'm floating around. And I mean, you know, you think to yourself, okay, the water's like up to here I can just get out flip over my boat yeah right I'd like to see you do it you know cause I'm sitting here you know got my feet plugged into the ground like an anchor and I'm just scooting along the river doesn't stop the current doesn't stop and it's really dangerous to put your feet down like that because if you get caught then you lay down and you never come back up again instead you gotta float You've got to put your feet up, is what they tell you. Up in front of you, actually. And that's the way you go downriver. It's just like this, so that if you meet an obstacle, you can hit it with your feet and keep going and not get caught. You know, and, and in life, what we have to do is we have to trust God. Not try to do it ourselves and stop and plug our way, because that's dangerous to do. When the current is going one way, especially His current, we do not stop it. The Scripture says, do not quench the Holy Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, if you know that God has called you to something and you are quenching that, stopping that, that is a very dangerous place to be in your life. No, instead, we must say yes to the Spirit, yes to His manifestation in our life, His epiphany in our life and here 's the neat thing. Theologically speaking, is Epiphanies connected to Pentecost? It has to be, according to John. He says, now, now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. So, his manifesting to the Gentiles was not enough. That was not the end. Jesus would even say this later in John. He says, Look, I must go away, I must disappear in order for the Spirit to appear in your life. Yes, Jesus lived an earthly life, but just like all humans, He died. He was fully human, so He died. He died a death unlike any other human, but He died as a human. And then He resurrected and appeared to people, but then He went to be hidden. We just said it in the Creed, didn't we? In heaven. He ascended into heaven and now sits at the Father's right hand. Now, He's hidden, but that's a good thing. Just like your thoughts are hidden from me, that's a good thing. Because He's hidden, that's a good thing. Why? Because when He's revealed again, that's it. That's the end. There's no more choosing. There's no more wavering back and forth. There's only the end. So as long as He is hidden, then it's God's grace to us, His favor to us to grow in His grace and to reach the world. Because as soon as He comes back, it's over. There's no more evangelism. There's no more mission work. It's over. The show's over. We go be with Him, and there is an end to evil. But until that day, we're still in the same boat. And we must help each other in this boat. We're all at different places, maybe. Maybe we're on the side that's not so rocky. Other people are right in the midst of the storm. And it is our job to, to actually help and to trust God And to show other people God in our life. The light. Just like a lighthouse. He is the light. And we are called to be flames of fire. Notice that when Jesus comes, He's going to baptize. John says, not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire. We are to be torches of light for God in His world. He is to light up our life. You say, water and fire don't often mix, but they do in the Bible. They really do. You remember He's a cloud by day and a fire by night. What's what's a cloud made of? Partly uh, participation. Precipitation. Yeah. Not only that, God calls us once we are baptized into His fire. Sanctification. Into His purifying fires. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fire and did not burn up, so He calls us to go into His fire. And we won't burn up, but the result is we'll be purified. We'll be made holy as He is holy. His eyes are flaming like fire. Isaiah sees a picture of the temple filled with smoke. What what creates smoke? Fire. Fire. There's this, always this image of fire and water representing the Spirit. So in your life, do you need God to wash away some things? Because that's what water does. Clean you up. Some of you need a bath. Now, we actually are going to be reaffirming our baptism in a couple Sundays. We're actually going to have a few baptized. Baptized. And it's going to be an opportunity for you to reaffirm that baptism. Because the bath that God provides in baptism is a one time thing. You say, well, what if I fell away and, you know, came back to God? That's great. His promises were always true. It was you who did all that. Paul says there's one Lord, one baptism, one Spirit. You only need to be baptized once. And that's enough because that's God's promise to us. Now, the communion, the table of the Lord happens all the time. But baptism once. And we reaffirm that baptism by water. So we'll be touching water and putting it on our body to remind ourselves of our own baptism in Christ. That being submerged into His grace. And some of us need to be submerged. We need that. We're, some of us are in the desert, as Isaiah pictures in Ezekiel too. We're in the desert, and we need streams of water in the desert. We're parched. We need His life, His floodwaters to come in. As Ezekiel was told, we need to step into the current of His river, the river of life. And when we step in that current, we're going we're to be able to float where He wants us to go, and not where we. And, and trust me, in my own life, Oftentimes, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm swimming in the deep end. I feel like I'm in over my head. Oftentimes I do. With my family. Being a dad, I don't feel like I'm a good dad. I don't feel like I'm a good husband or a pastor, for all that, for all that uh, matters. I don't. I feel like I'm in way over my head. God is doing way more than I could ever think or ask for or be wise enough for. But that's okay. I've learned that's okay. Okay. It really is. Amen. It's okay to be in over your head as long as God is with you. Yes. That's what matters is that He is with you. He doesn't want us to be Superman. He doesn't need a Superman. If He did, that's, that's what He would call us to be. It's not. We need each other. We need each other. And no one person in this church can do it all. No one person is called to do it all. Which is why we need each other. We're living stones in his building. Living stones. And we are to carry that living water to other people in our world who are in the wilderness, at our work, in our family, in our neighborhood. This is a year where, you know, now that I'm not the HOA president. I feel like I actually can reach out to my neighbors, you know, without them thinking I'm like snooping on them or something. And one of the greatest things you can do is without, you know, within your street, just, just take your street, for example. Be a light on your street. I mean, I, I've lived in a neighborhood before where, where you know, people didn't even know their neighbor. Never talked to them. I, you know, I call it just sort of going beyond the wave. Everybody does the wave thing, but they never actually communicate beyond that. Go beyond that with your neighbors. See what's going on in their life. Love. I think this is what God has called us to do in each of our neighborhoods. It's not, just my, it's not my job to go into your life and evangelize, it's your job. Amen. That you have your own mission. That's not the pastor's job. It's not the elder's job. It's not the, the whoever you think is a high Christian or whatever. No, it's your job. That's your circle of influence. I'm not in that circle. Heck, I can't even get into your workplaces. Might as well forget that. I don't have a clearance card. You know? The FBI hasn't ran a, ran a thing on me. Only you can get in there. And I love hearing stories of how people get connected to our church. I always like to ask the question, how would you get connected to our church? Oh, it was a neighbor or it was a coworker. I mean, some of you are here because at work somebody shared something and you got interested. You were invited. I mean, most people come to church because of a personal invitation, not because of a billboard or a commercial on TV. It's because of a personal invitation. That's what we want to be doing. Personally inviting other people to go deeper. Remember that song? Going deeper in the water of God. That's what He's calling us to. Go to the deep end. And He'll be there to help us submerge into His grace. And He can calm the storm if He needs, if he needs to. And if not, then He can help us ride it out. <clears throat> we as a church need to be there for each other when that time comes. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus, may there be a thirsting in my soul for you. At times, Lord, I fill up on things of this world that do not satisfy, that do not quench, the thirsting we all have. We were made for You. Nothing will satisfy but You. If we're not thirsty this morning, would You plant a seed in us of dissatisfaction? Lord, for those who are cruising through life, not in need of You, would You, O oh Lord, create an atmosphere where they understand their need for You? For those of us who are in troubled waters, Lord, would You calm that storm? Would we cry out to You? Would we seek You until You awaken in us? Lord, I need that awakening. I need that living water. You say that when the Spirit comes in, we will be overflowing with living water. Water that brings life, not just to us, but to others. It's not something meant to be kept to ourself, but shared. Flowing from us flowing from You to others. May this be our prayer. Today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.